0: This is A Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. The release of Wakanda Forever marks the return of the Afrofuturistic nation to movie theaters. Years after Black Panther took superhero storytelling to another level, how can Wakanda Forever rise to these sky-high expectations that we all have?
1: If the first Black Panther movie felt like a revelation and... A kind of like explosion of black cultural pride. This movie is going to feel like a reunion. And I think it's going
0: to feel like, okay, we get to reconvene and explore more collective emotions together. The Return to Wakanda, coming up on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Much has changed since Black Panther lit up movie screens in 2018, becoming an unprecedented cultural touchstone and eventually earning more than a billion dollars at the box office. That film reflected the aspirations of the African diaspora and proved that there's an audience hungry for black superheroes who aren't sidekicks. Wakanda Forever is out in theaters today telling the story of how that fictional nation is dealing with the loss of its king and fending off emerging new threats.
2: We know what you whisper. Has lost their protector. Now is our time to strike.
0: Beyond this new film, the Black Panther universe has grown since 2018 with the help of a community of artists and writers who are building the world of Wakanda into stories and images. One of those creators is Evan Narcisse. He's a journalist, critic, and also comic book writer who's contributed to several volumes in the Black Panther series. That includes The Rise of Black Panther and his recent Wakanda Atlas for Marvel. Evan Narcisse, welcome to A Word. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. As much as I love comic books, I don't create them. So I can still get excited about movies and characters. As somebody who's written Black Panther comics, as somebody who's put together books about the character, what do you actually look forward to in a movie?
1: As you kind of said, my familiarity with the material... Probably gives me a certain amount of insight and like prognostication as to, like, oh, okay, they're probably gonna do this, that, the other, right? But there's still that same excitement of knowing, oh, okay, which pieces might you use? How might you interpret them? You know, Um, when I saw the first Black Panther movie, you know, I was sitting there, like, kind of stunned at some of the stuff they did because it was so smart. And over like almost sixty years of publishing history, like certain creators have never done um, the the made the choices that they made, right? Like for example, during the challenge day sequence at Warrior Falls in the beginning of the movie, when uh, you know the sequence where where um, Zuri says the the Black Panther will now have his strength stripped away, I was like. Oh, yeah, they never did that in the comics. He was always like doing challenge day, like with all his powers, and of course he's gonna win, right? So, stuff like that the, the family ties that they made with Killmonger, who in the comics is not blood relations um, with uh, T'Challa. So, stuff like that were really smart choices. So, I, I had the same kind of anticipation with the new movie. Like, what are they gonna do? How are they gonna adapt it? Um, what new kind of angles are they going to find on this mythology? So all of that is still really super exciting for me.
0: So Evan, one of the things that comic people talk about all the time is like canon, right? And to the audience, canon is these are the core elements of the character, right? What do you consider to be Canon for black panther because for a lot of people they hadn't heard of the character until 2018 What are some unmistakable parts of his character that have to be a part of any black panther story? Whether t'challa is at the center of it or not,
1: you know, wakanda Has to have been hidden for centuries. They've secreted themselves away from the world um, in order to b- better protect their culture, their country, and of course, you know, the the store of vibranium that they kind of um, control. So that's one, right? The, the isolation, not just the physical isolation, but the mindset that they need to stay apart from the rest of the world. You know, in terms of T'Challa himself as a man, my favorite thing about the character has always been like, he stands at the crossroads between tradition and modernity, right? So, you know, the centuries of this country's culture and its struggles internal and external, he has to bring the ethos of Wakanda out into the world, right? So he's a character who changes everything about Wakanda and their interface with the outside world. I think that's a core pillar in the Black Panther canon. And I also feel like the inherent nobility of Wakandans as a people, right? I think that, yeah, they they run the full spectrum of human expression and behavior, right? So like there's villains, there's haters, there's, you know, heroes and all that, but I feel like, um, they as a people have a huge responsibility given this natural resource. And um, they take it very seriously. And of course, like there's people who like, uh, don't give a damn and want to cause chaos and whatnot. But I think Wakandans are a very potent metaphor for what happens if colonialization doesn't occur in certain parts of the African continent. So you know, they are like a symbol of potential, right? So I think that's something that's core to the mythos as well, too. Um, Which isn't to say they're better than anybody else on the planet. They think they're better, but they've been allowed to control their destiny in a way that certainly a lot of other black people haven't. And um, there comes like a certain responsibility and, you know, a certain egotism that comes with that. But I think that's a core recipe ingredient for for good uh, stories about the Black Panther and Wakanda.
0: When did you come to actually enjoy the Black Panther character. When did you become interested in? why did you become compelled by this character from this mythical country that, you know, the world hadn't ever seen before?
1: My first encounter with the character was in some Avengers reprints um, in the 70s. And it was a story where he was just like, you know, part of the roster of the Avengers, right? Like, um, the story wasn't focused on him. But I liked His character design, the kind of sleek, all-black costume, uh, the poses that he was drawn in, and the way he spoke, right? That lofty kind of elevated speech um, really intrigued me. But the thing that probably pulled me in the most was, you know, when he was rolling with the Avengers during that first kind of tenure with them, like he would like pine away for Wakanda a lot, right? He'd be like, "I wonder what's happening in my homeland. You know, are they safe? Are they okay? Um, when can I go back?" And you know, I'm the child of Haitian immigrants, and I was raised by my mom. And the way the child spoke about Wakanda reminded me of the way that my mom spoke about Haiti, right? And then as I learned more about Haitian history and the revolution and being the first free black republic, I was like, "Oh, word! This is why this character is talking to me." So that was my first kind of like encounter with the character. And And I loved him then. And like you said, you know, there were lean years where he was barely in the comics at all. He was a guest star every so often, or he was just some dude in the Avengers in the back doing whatever. And then in the 90s, uh, the series written by Christopher Priest that reinvigorated him, like, I was definitely all in. It felt like Priest was tapping into all this potential that the character had um, that wasn't really explored. So, yeah, like, from then on, I think the character started to uh, expand its horizons and what the possible interpretations could be for people who want to write the character. Um, and then that that changed the game. But yeah, it was definitely in the late 70s. And then uh, throughout, you know, I was a dude who, if he was guest appearing in an issue of Daredevil, I was there. If he was like showing up in a random issue of Spider-Man, I was there. That first contact with the character really became like a lifelong relationship with him. <laughs>
0: We're going to take a short break. and we come back, more on the return to Wakanda with writer Evan Narcisse. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: This is Jason Johnson, host of A Word, Slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered a word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at slate.com. Thank you. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about Wakanda Forever with comic book writer Evan Narcisse. So one of the most important steps in the ladder to understanding Wakanda and the Black Panther we see today is a writer that I became familiar with in the 90s named Christopher Priest. Can you just tell us a little bit about what he contributed to what we're seeing in Wakanda Forever and what we saw in Black Panther in 2018? So Christopher
1: Priest was the first full-time black writer and editor at both Marvel and DC Comics. He's written Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. You know, he's somebody who really revolutionized the Luke Cage character when he was writing um, the comic book Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, Power Man is Luke Cage's superhero code name. But um, he basically was the first time I felt like I was hearing a black voice in comics um, kind of speaking loud and proud about you know, the stuff that we experience and the way we live. So he brought all of that to Black Panther um, in 1998 for a run that went about five years. So his reimagination of the whole Black Panther mythos is really
0: revolutionary. When Chad McBoseman passed away in 2020, there was a lot of sadness at the passing of this great actor who was just on his way. But you ended up having this tension between a lot of people in the creative community who were saying, Man, this guy is gone, and we just can't replace that energy. We can't replace that talent. And a lot of people who were simply consumers or fans of the work who were saying, hey, look, you know, it's sad that this person passed, but you really should recast the character. Where were you during that debate over the last year and a half? Where did you feel, where did you fall in the idea as to whether or not Chachala should be recast or not?
1: Where I was was grieving, right? And I'm still grieving a little bit. You know, that loss is um, intense. The thing is, we in the audiences were blessed by Chadwick and the way he embodied that role, right? You know, I think the, the last word really has to go to Ryan Coogler, the director, right? Um, there's a new podcast with um nehisi Coates is hosting and he's talking to Ryan Coogler and Ryan talks about how Chadwick was embodying the character even before, you know, the film started rolling on production for Black Panther. You know, the way he... Conceptualized the legacy of Wakanda, thought about who this man had to be at this particular moment of time, the sense of mission that he had as a a new king. Like, that was all stuff Chadwick was drawing on from his personal life, right? He knew what it meant to play James Brown. He knew what it meant to play Jackie Robinson, you know, and Thurgood Marshall, and all these other great historic characters. He knew what it meant to, like, bring that history forward into the present day to make these um, iconic figures of black history not seem stale or staid or just something that you're reading about in a textbook, right? To invigorate them with energy. You know, I wrote a memorial piece um, for GQ about Chadwick's passing. And my, my main thesis was that like, yeah, Chadwick was ready for history, you know? And he plays a character who, in the movie who has to be ready for history, right? And that's not an easy thing to replace. And when you consider the fact that Ryan has been grieving uh, Lupita and Winston and, and Letitia and all the other actors who knew him, and worked with him have been grieving too and had to make, you know, a movie um, during their grieving process. I think it would have been really daunting to have somebody replace Chadwick as T'Challa in that moment. I'm not saying never, but it's been a couple of years and it still feels too soon. That's my personal opinion. I still can't watch the first Black Panther movie without like bawling. You know, I put it on a couple of months ago and the loss like It just hits me right in my gut, you know? So if I feel that way, I can only imagine how exponentially more affecting it is for the people who worked with him and knew him, you know, and watched him become that
0: character. First off, I love that. You probably put this better than almost anybody else because when you get down to it, people on screen have to create relationships and they have to have a certain level of intimacy. If the new guy who takes that role, if he can't look into Shuri's eyes the same way, if he can't interact with Lupita Nyong'o then the same way because they're in mourning because the whole cast is, then hey, you're not going to, you know, there's there's a there's a functionality to, to, to the emotional feeling. With that in mind, this, this is something that really occurs to me. So how do you make a movie where the main guy that introduced us to this world is gone? What are some core things about Wakanda that they should know? If you're having a movie about this place, Wakanda Forever, that's not focused on the man who introduced us to this place, what should we know about this place heading into the movie? I think the biggest thing is that Wakanda
1: has its own history, you know, and in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Wakanda, we've only started to tap into that. Um, In the comics, there are many stories delving into the history that precedes T'Challa, stories about his dad, stories about his uh, grandfather and ancestors going back to like prehistoric times. You know, there's a new Wakanda miniseries coming out from Marvel Comics, and I'm writing a backup in that series called The History of the Black Panthers. And we're exploring that story. We're exploring those stories, you know. It's being drawn by Natasha Bustos, an amazing artist who drew a comic book called Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is going to be an animated series coming out soon. But in The History of the Black Panthers, you know, I start the story with Mosey, the the first person who, you know, wielded vibranium as a weapon and um, put on a a panther skin and protected Wakanda, you know. And then there's Bashenga, who was mentioned in the first movie, who was the warrior who pretty much um, helped found Wakanda as a nation, bringing all the kind of disparate factions together under one banner. And so there's tons of characters, tons of history, right? You know, um, th- that goes from uh, prehistoric times to medieval times to the modern era, World War II and whatnot. So there's a very rich history to the, to Wakanda, right? You know, I think the thing I love most about Wakanda as a fictional construct is that you can have this imagined fictional history that invokes and dovetails with the real-world history of Black people all around the world, right? So it really is like a a rich, fertile storytelling-like landscape. And I think we're going to see more of that on screens as time goes on.
0: We're going to take a short break. We come back. More about Wakanda Forever with writer Evan Narcisse. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about Wakanda Forever with comic book artist Evan Narcisse. So, it, in the comics, the character Queen Ramonda raised T'Challa, but she didn't give birth to him. Uh, in Rise of the Black Panther, you were able to write about T'Challa's birth mother, Niami, who died in childbirth. And you said that she was in part inspired by your own mother. Tell us. You know, how was she inspired by your mother and and how did you come to writing that story? A couple of things. My mom died early, or at least too early for me. She died some years ago
1: from cancer. And um, you know, I've always carried a little bit of that grief around with me. And one of the questions I kept asking myself was, like, how well did I really know her? There's so much about her life I probably didn't know. I need to hear from her in her own words. She was such a huge influence on my life. She raised me and my brother and my sister. By herself she immigrated to this country and had kids and basically had to build a whole new life for herself and when i think about the parts of my personality that come from her right pride in my cultural heritage how i try to move through the world i thought that t'challa would have the same questions about his mother who died You know shortly after he was born he has all these like genetic and cultural and personal and psychological attributes that come directly from her right my thought process when i was writing rise of the black panther and deciding to explore the character of nyami was we know that t'challa is a statesman he's a strategist you know he's a king and a leader right and we can see the lineage of those attributes from his father's side right like t'chaka was a warrior and he was a king and whatnot. But I'm like, where's the scientist stuff come from? Like, where does that? You know, we never saw T'Chaka in the lab. I decided that that stuff would come from his mom. So she had some very minor appearances in the comics, but was never really a fleshed out character. So I decided to like, okay, let's make her a scientist. Let's make her a big part of the technological advancement that happened in Wakanda. And that was also my own experience with my child, right? My, my daughter loves to read and I know she gets that from me and i was like okay let's talk about how these parts of ourselves that come from our parents like will continue on you know and um that's part of the main theme i want to explore in rise of the black panther which is like what do we do with what we inherit t'challa becomes king and finds out all these secrets about his family that he never knew, and he has to reckon with them. And that, you know, that's a real world experience, right? You don't have to be a superhero who eats the heart-shaped herb to to understand that. I'm still finding out stuff about my dad that I never knew growing up, you know? And um, I'm still finding out stuff about Haiti, the place where, you know, my ancestors held the revolution. So, you know, this journey continues no matter how old we are. It's a very generative lens to look at comic book fiction through as well, right? And like, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not the first person to done it. Like, creators, you know, before me have, have applied the same approach, but I feel like it keeps on giving because you can make a fictional place feel more real and you can make the real world feel more multilayered and deep than previous experiences, because all you have to do is give people the prompt to explore history and politics, something that you're well versed in, and they'll, they'll have their own adventures in that exploration.
0: From a cultural standpoint, from your perspective as a creator, when it comes to everything from how the public responds to even opportunities for artists, what is different about the world that is going to be receiving Wakanda forever, than the world that received Black Panther. What's different about the world today? For for you as a writer, for people as consumers, what's different about our world today?
1: If the first Black Panther movie felt like a revelation and a kind of like explosion of black cultural pride, this movie is gonna feel like a reunion. And I think it's gonna feel like, okay, we get to reconvene and explore more collective emotions together, right? Um, in terms of the, the world surrounding the release of the movie, you know, obviously, cultural and political attitudes have become a lot more fraught, a lot more contentious. And the expressions of different points of view um, is a lot more heated than it probably was four years ago. As a creator, I feel more emboldened to express my cultural pride and cultural interrogation about some of the ideas and concepts that we surround different forms of production, right? So when we talk about Afrofuturism, it's imagining what that broken history looks like when it's reconfigured, when it's reimagined, right? What what does it look like to reimagine the past and the future? And I think that's the world that Wakanda Forever is uh, coming into. The thing I'm most excited about in terms of that reimagination is how Coogler and his creative cohort are looking at Mesoamerican culture through the character of Namor, right? Who's going to be the antagonist in this movie. Namor is one of Marvel Comics' oldest characters, you know, debuting during World War II. He comes from uh, an underwater race of beings called Atlanteans. They have a different name in the movie. But, you know, them using it as a vehicle to explore um, Mesoamerican and Latinx creative expression and cultural expression like that excites me because I know how we felt when we felt like, oh, word, they're going deep into the diaspora in, in, in Black Panther. I know that like our, our brown brothers and sisters, you know, from Latinx uh, communities probably feel the same way, you know, and that to me feels exciting. So when you ask me what's changed about the world, it feels like there's an opportunity for these cultural histories to be expressed with a fullness and a depth that the stereotypes of yesteryear would never allow. So that's what feels most exciting to me. And you know, we we obviously see the reactions of a cohort of people who feel threatened by those cultural expressions. But this ain't about them. This is about us and lots of different uses. And that's exciting to me. My fondest hope is that that is an advancement, that is an evolution, that we get to hold on to in terms of. Um, The storytellers and mythmakers who get to operate in popular culture, you know, we we've staked out this kind of notional territory
0: and we're not about to let it go. So I want to close on this. I always like closing on an optimistic note, which you pretty much just did there. And you know, it's it's occurred to me that like, you know, all right, we're you know, two years into this racial reckoning where George Floyd, you know, was was murdered by a cop and you had media sort of saying, Oh, we need to be more diverse and and now, as you sort of alluded to, we have this backlash. We have, you know, sort of online trolls and cultural leaders who get mad at everything from She-Hulk. Oh, there's too many women in comics, or they get mad that there's like a, a black person in a new Star Wars series, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like Wakanda Forever, by being successful, is another pushback against that hostility, along the lines of introducing a character like Namor, along the lines of introducing an Asian-American superhero like Shang-Chi. I guess my question for you is, do you think that what we're experiencing right now is sustainable? Or do you think that we're going to have another wave and in 10 years, it's going to peter out and we're going to have to fight this battle again? The level of
1: sustainability is going to be directly tied to how many people from marginalized backgrounds are in positions of decision-making power, right? So, you know, Ryan Coogler's production company is Proximity Media. They didn't just put out Black Panther with Marvel, they also put out Judas and the Black Messiah. So by by virtue of Ryan um, starting this company and other creators like him who have their own production companies, who have overall deals at the big mega corporations that pump out these movies, that's the, the I think the determining factor by which we'll see this be another wave that crashes um, on the shore Or something that is part of a rolling, continuing set of repercussions that come from these companies recognizing that our stories have audiences, that people will come and see them. I saw a movie at the Austin Film Festival recently, Nanny, uh, directed by Nikiatu Jusu, starring Anna Jupp, and she plays a nanny. um, And it's a horror movie, that's all I'll say. But part of me was like, yo, you know, this movie... Um, Before, Black Panther probably would have had a hard time finding backers, finding people that believed in her vision. The fight that we had to fight for so long was being portrayed only as stereotypes, you know, like uh, a monolithic, shallow understanding of what Black people's lives are and the stories that are contained therein. I feel like in one way, that battle has been won. The continuing battle is finding the space and the resources to tell those stories and tell them at scale. I feel like in certain cultural arenas, like music, literature, whatnot, there's not this scarcity of portrayals, you know? But like in other forms of media, there are. And like, those are the walls that we need to break down. You know what I'm saying? And they are getting broken down. Creators who are younger than me, who are like doing their own thing um, in video games and comics and whatnot, and you know, To me like that's the world change you know that's the evolution in the x-men comics the main characters are mutants and they have this pivotal moment in their lives where their superpowers get activated the x gene gets activated right that's what it gets called um, in the comics and i feel like that's happening you know more and more that's a wave you can't push back the large-scale resources are going to wax and wane but you can't stop marginalized people black people from being creative Like, you can't stop it. We innovate, we absorb and remix, and that's what's happening. We talk about the world changing and like storytelling changes the world, you know? And for anybody who hears a story that moves them and excites them like Black Panther did and hopefully like Wakanda forever will, that's another sword to the cause. You know what I'm saying? That's another warrior um, that's marching towards a new horizon. And that's the thing that excites me.
0: Evan Narcisse is a journalist and a contributing author to the Black Panther comic series. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Word. Thanks, Jason. And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Operations for Podcasts. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for work.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call.